0: 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to continue where we left off last week, but let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, we ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, we thank you for everyone who's here, none by chance, all by divine appointment. And so, Lord, less of us, more of you. Uh, Lord, may your Holy Spirit, the ministry of your Holy Spirit speak mightily. Even now, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. So, the outline that you have is we're going to probably cover that over the next two, maybe three weeks. But before we get to the outline, just quickly background, because we do have new people here. So this letter is written by John the Apostle, the apostle that Jesus loved, uh, the one that was the only one that was at the cross when Jesus was crucified. He's the last one that will survive. He's going to write the book of Revelation. We'll be looking at that starting here in a few weeks. And so as he writes this letter, there's a, already, the church is only 30 to 40 years old and already there are false teachers on the inside and persecution on the outside. So being a Christian in those days, you would be persecuted for your faith. You could be fed to lions, thrown in prison, all those things would take place. So when you gave your life to the Lord and you made a public profession, you were putting your life on the line. And then along with that were false teachers coming on the inside of the church Teaching new things, by the way, if it's new, it's not true, and if it's true, it's not new. Can I get an amen to that? Here's the reality that Jesus Christ came, and you can imagine John, it doesn't tell us this, but I imagine his blood boiling as he sees these false teachers coming in and teaching things contrary to what Jesus taught. John had seen it and, and walked with Jesus for three years. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew the truth, and these false teachers were coming. So largely, he writes first, John. To really refute all these false teachers. One of the things they taught was that your spirit and your flesh were separate from each other. They also taught that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, he only came as a spirit. And the reason he couldn't come in the flesh is because the flesh is evil. So they taught you could give your spirit to God, and then you could live any way you wanted to in the flesh, because the flesh was evil anyway. So you could just be an ungodly person as long as your spirit was given to the Lord, and we know that's all contrary to what the Word of God teaches. And so John has been exhorting them and encouraging them. Now, I also want to say this. This is very appropriate for us today. Because in those days, they were struggling with the simple question, what is the truth? And we live in a time right now where everybody says, I have my truth and you have your truth. And we have... No, there's the truth. There's no my truth and your truth. There's the truth. Can I get an amen to that? And it nauseates me you want me to get violently ill, just start talking about your truth. I'm leaving my truth. Stop it. Amen? It's the truth. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. Amen? And I don't care what you think or how you feel. If it contradicts the Word of God, it's wrong. Amen? And so he's writing this letter, and it's appropriate for us today because I'm going to give you some truths this morning. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at some questions I get a lot of. And he's going to address them all from verse 6 to 21. He's going to address every one of these issues that we're talking about. So people are, are today say they're searching, they're looking for answers. They want to know the truth. Questions I get all the time. How can we know for sure that it's true? How can we know for sure? My prayer is over the next couple of weeks, we're going to find out just exactly how. We can know that it's true. Now, he's been talking a lot about love in the last few chapters. If you were here last week, we looked at love in action. It's your love for God will be seen in your love for your brother. If you truly love God, you will love his children. If you love God and his children, it's made known in your obedience to the word. If you truly love God, his commandments are are a blessing and not a burden. If you believe by faith that Jesus is the son of God, you have overcome the world. So now as we come to verse 6, And we may only get to the first point. We'll see how it goes, but you'll see why. So these are the five things that we're going to look at in the next couple of weeks about what can we know for sure? What can we know for sure? Again, I get that question a lot. How do we know for sure the Bible's true? How do we know for sure that God hears my prayers? How do we know for sure that Jesus is God? We're going to attack all of those in the next couple of weeks. So here is the outline Again, it's a time, when the, in a time when the world rejects absolute truth. Here's what we can know for sure. We're going to talk about this this morning. This is why we might not get past this point. Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. And we know that for sure. And my prayer is when you leave here this morning, you'll, it, you'll know it even more with more assurance of who Jesus is because Jesus is God. Not a God, not one of many gods, the only true and living God. He is the God to whom every other false God in this world, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Buddha will bow to Jesus. Muhammad will bow to Jesus. Every false teacher will bow to Jesus. And there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Amen. Amen. We're going to see that he came by water and by blood. It's going to be an interesting thing, guys. I studied this thoroughly, there's four different major positions on what those words mean. They're all wonderful, but we'll go through that. Now, three bear witness of Jesus, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and he is the risen living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Here's point number two. We may get to this this morning. Uh, you're going to heaven. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. You are going to heaven. <laughs> Guys, that's better than, your, than the Dodgers winning the World Series, which is not happening again, okay? <laughs> you're going to heaven to heaven. Guys, it's the greatest 401k plan ever. Amen? It's the greatest retirement program for believers. We close our eyes on earth. We open up in glory. Christians don't die. We just move to a much better neighborhood. Amen? And praise God for that. We're going to heaven. And again, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. And by the way, that eternal life doesn't start when you end this life. You have it already. We have eternal life here and now. And again, it's not a hope so, it's a no so. Now this will be next week for sure. We, see, we know for sure that God answers prayer. Now he doesn't always answer in the way you want him to, but he always answers in the way that is best for you. Amen? He knows you best, he loves you most. God answers prayer. We will also see that you are no longer a slave to sin. How many of you guys sinned this week? Okay, this morning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We're all sinners in desperate need of a savior But we're no longer slaves to sin. We used to have a nature that loved sin, that thrived on it that felt no conviction about it, then you give your life to the Lord. And now when you're sent, when you sin, it grips your heart. And if there's no conviction, there's been no conversion. But when there's conviction, it's assurance of the fact that the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is our down payment on heaven. And again, you're no longer a slave to sin. You come to love God and hate sin. You won't be sinless, but you should sin less. And we can have victory over habitual sin. Talks about if you truly love the Lord, you will not continue in sin. And it's talking about habitual sin where you've surrendered your life to it. That your life is known for this sinful behavior. And for us as believers, that should not be so. Amen? And God can deliver us from it. We'll see that next week. And then finally, you can know the truth. The truth. Not a truth. Not my truth. Not your truth. The truth. So let's begin there looking at point number one. We may not get past this, you'll see why. Kind of a big subject, Jesus is God. Kind of getting amen into that. So, point number one here, again, what we can know for sure, you can know for sure that Jesus is God, not a God, but the one and only true and living God. He says this is what he says here in verse six This is he who came by water and by blood, Jesus Christ. Now In the previous five verses, go back to verse five so we get some context. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and the commandments are not burdensome. That's verse three. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, verse five. Who is he who has overcome the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God? And then he says, this is he who came by water and by blood Jesus Christ. So the emphasis here is placed on trusting in Jesus. A person who believes that Jesus is the Christ and the son of God is born of God and is able to overcome the world. We can overcome anything because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And he is a faithful God and he never leaves you nor forsakes you. He has filled you with his Holy Spirit. He's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. You have the promise of heaven. You've been adopted into his family, and no one will ever snatch you out of his hand. And when we keep our focus on who we are in Christ, we will never come to that point where we're overwhelmed or dismayed. If those happen, it's only momentary, and it only happens when we take our eyes off the Lord. Amen? So we want to begin our day with him, spend our day with him, and pursue him with our whole heart. So now John is going to make it clear that the Jesus he speaks of is not the Gnostic Jesus. See, the Gnostic Jesus was a phantom. They were the ones with the word Gnostic, these false teachers. It means knowledge, and they thought they had knowledge. That's why agnostic means without knowledge, and it's always funny when someone is arrogant and tells you I'm an agnostic, which means I am, don't know anything. That's what it literally means. It's, uh, it is actually, if you look it up in the uh, dictionary, it says one of the synonyms is ignoramus. So I'm an ignoramus. And I'm proud of that fact. (laughs) Once again, your truth is not the truth. Amen? So, holy, he had nothing to do that the way that he trot. that he had nothing to do with this world. This was the Gnostics, and that he he only came as a phantom. Uh, There's others that teach that as well, that Jesus never came in human body, human flesh. And again, we need to know that that's not the case. It says he came by water and he came by blood. Now, we must believe on Jesus who was part of, a, 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 he had a flesh, he had a body. And John's returning to the theme. He started with the beginning of the letter. The emphasis was on the fact that we have seen him. This is what he says. I have seen him. I've heard him. I have looked upon him and I've handled him with my hands. Now, why is he doing that? Because they're teaching that he's a false phantom and he's letting them know that Jesus came in both in spirit and in the flesh. He took on humanity, was fully God and fully man. And again, a not a phantom or a bodiless spirit, but God made manifest in human flesh. So what does he came by water and by blood, what in the world does that mean? Well, it's interesting, through the centuries, there have been many different ideas about what John meant by this phrase. And it's, you know, many biblical scholars hold different positions. And I'm going to share four with you quickly. And these are four held by four groups of people, all of which I respect. And so I'll share you my, you know, I'm not going to be adamant about any one of these because you've got people like J. Vernon McGee and Tyndale, all these people who had different positions. But I will say this, they're all applicable to who Jesus is. But I think there's one that really grabs the context and that's what you want to look for. And so first one, some believe the water speaks of our own baptism that Jesus is the water. So when we are baptized, we're being baptized into Christ and the blood of taking communion. So some believe it's our baptism and our communion. I reject that because it's not talking about us, it's talking about Jesus. That being said, both of those things do point to the Lord, of course. These are the two uh, New Testament sacraments, right? We don't have a lot of sacraments as they did in the Old Testament. We have two, baptism and communion. And so a lot of people believe that those are the things it's talking about. Martin Luther believed that, and John Calvin believed that, but we know Calvin didn't understand predestination anyway, so we'll just keep (laughs) going with it. Now, (laughs) sorry. Yet, if this was the case, it doesn't add up with a historical perspective that he came by water and by blood. He seems to write of something that Happened in the past, not something that is ongoing. Point number two Augustine and J. and McGee and others believe that the water and the blood describes the water and blood when it flowed from Jesus' side on the cross. Remember that he was pierced with a spear, and it says that blood and water poured out. And, it, and so they think that mainly it really focuses only on the cross. That's a valid perspective. It says in John 19, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediate blood and water came out. So John was at the cross. He witnessed this event. He was close enough to hear Jesus speak. Remember, he said, this is your mother. I want you to take care of Mary. So John was there, and it's possible, that was the interpretation, also says in John 19, and he who has seen and testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. Certainly this event is both significant and clearly refutes the Gnostic teaching that Jesus was a phantom. So in context, it could be, because he's letting them know Jesus wasn't a phantom, there was blood and water that poured out on his side. I was there at the cross, I saw him die on the cross, I touched him after his. he came back with nail printed hands. So this teaching is false and we know who Jesus really is. Yet it still remains a little unclear how this interpretation that Jesus came by water and by blood. And then still others, third point, believe that this is simply a reference to his physical birth. Now remember when, when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, what did he tell him? He must be born again. And then he said, can I crawl back into my mother's womb? And he said, that which is born of, you know, flesh is flesh, and that was born of spirit is spirit, done a marvel, I said he must be born again. But he talks about being born of the water, right? And of the flesh. And so he's so the water there is speaking to a physical context, physical birth. And so some will believe that, well, this is just talking about Jesus being born. Water came out when he was born from his mother. The blood can point again to his physical death. So his physical birth and his physical death, this is a position of people, like I said, who I have a great deal of respect for. And again, that could be the case. And I'm not saying that all of these can't have some you know, point to them, but what is the one that I think is most in context? It's this one. Probably the best exclamation in my mind, and they all have good points, and the one that best fits the context begins to present three infallible witnesses to prove that Jesus is God. The oldest recorded understanding of the text going back to 100 years, 100 AD, was that the water spoke of Jesus's baptism and the blood his crucifixion. When did Jesus's ministry begin? When was it? At his baptism. Remember? So Jesus has been on the planet for 30 years He's already ministered to people in many ways, no doubt. We know when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple teaching in a way that no one could, you know, blew everybody away. He was salt and light everywhere he went. But at age 30, John the Baptist is out in the wilderness and here comes Jesus. And remember, they were sacrificing lambs and goats by the thousands. And all the sacrifices were pointing to Jesus. And when Jesus came walking out into the wilderness to meet John to be baptized, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when Jesus was baptized, we saw the Trinity as clear as we see it anywhere in Scripture. Because when Jesus is baptized, he comes up and we hear the Father from heaven say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then it says the Holy Spirit ascends upon him like a dove. We see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see this, the triune God again, one God in three persons. We see the triune God at the beginning of his ministry. And so what he's saying here back in the verse is he came by water. And I believe there it is. That's the beginning of his ministry at his baptism is when his ministry began. Then we talk about the blood and I believe the blood is his crucifixion. So we have the beginning of his earthly ministry and the end of his earthly ministry. And what I want to say is in 2 Corinthians 13, it says this, by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So again, first, let's go back to the water again. So John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's one witness. The Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's another witness. And then the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. There's your third witness. So we see clearly that the witness and the testimony of who Jesus is, is made very clear at his baptism. And again, he says here, he came by water, but also he came by blood. Jesus' death on the cross uh, gave further witness as to the time was drawing near to Jesus going to the cross. In John 12, the father spoke honorably, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. In response to when Jesus in anticipation to the cross said, father, father, paraphrase, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I come to this hour, Father glorify your name. And that's when he says, I have glorified it, I will glorify it again. Now the Father also witnesses the miracle, but through great power while Jesus was on the cross. There's three things that happened while he was on the cross, many more happened. Do you know the whole world went dark while Jesus was on the cross? It was not an eclipse, it was not in one place, But there was darkness upon the face of the earth for three hours. Not only was there universal darkness, again, God the Father testifying that here's where all the sin of all mankind is being placed on Jesus so that we might be forgiven, there was an earthquake. And what's amazing about this earthquake, that during the earthquake, the veil was torn into the Holy of Holies so that we could all enter in. Before, it was only on Yom Kippur. Only the high priest could come into the presence of Almighty God. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, and he is our intercessor. We don't need any priests anymore to intercede on our behalf. We come directly to the Father through the Son. Amen? Amen. And so because Jesus died on the cross, the veil has been torn. It's been opened up. By the way, when the earthquake took place, did you know that people, when Jesus rose from the dead, the dead people got up out of the ground? and went into Jerusalem and witnessed to people, how did everyone not get saved? (laughs) How was anybody not saved? Can you imagine if you went to your great-grandmother's funeral, and then 40 years later, she knocks on your front door? I'm thinking that might get my attention, amen? It was proof that he had triumphed over sin and death, amen? And these are the testimonies. By the way, how many other prophets out there, how many other religious leaders died for anyone? Even claimed to die for anyone? None. How many of them even claim, if there are any claims that any of them rose from the dead? That would be zero. We can dig up the bones of Muhammad right now. Amen? We can dig up the bones of every false prophet who's come. Jesus Christ, again, is God. He has triumphed over sin and death. He alone proclaimed to be God. He alone proved himself to be God. And only he rose from the dead. Nobody went to the cross except for him. If anybody else had gone, it would have been worthless because he was a sinless, holy, perfect sacrifice, fulfilling all the sacrifices that have gone before him. He was the fulfillment, the one we've been waiting for. And he proved himself to be God because on the third day, He got up out of the ground and proved that he's triumphed over sin and death. That's our God. Amen. And we can praise him for that. Now, no wonder the centurion cried out, truly, this he said, this was the son of God. That was the one mistake he made. He recognized he's the son of God, but he thought he was in past tense. We know better than that. Amen. But the centurion that was just sitting there watching all of this is like, dude, this guy's God. Amen. (laughs) And you know what? Somebody was paying attention, praise the Lord, amen? And I believe we'll see that centurion when we get to heaven, amen? So Jesus did not receive the Christ spirit as his baptism. There's people that say that. Oh, he, first of all, there was a movie made and, was, and when I, my office, most of you know, I have a full-time job. There was a lady that worked in the industry and she helped make this movie. And it was about Jesus when he was a child. I forget what the name of it was. Young Messiah. Don't bother with it, by the way. So she wanted me to watch it before it was released. And one of the things that's in the movie is Jesus figures out he's the Messiah, like he like, oh, I must be the Messiah. Okay, that's nonsense. Can I get him amen to that? <laughs> Jesus always has been, always will. But he was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. And sadly, there's people that teach this, like like Jesus is just this normal man and the spirit was poured out upon him. That's not the case at all. He always has been the Messiah. He always has. He's God. Amen? He's not created. He's the creator. He is the Christ. And on both occasions, the father witnessed to his deity, not only by water, but by water and the blood. Jesus' death on the cross was required for our redemption and it fulfilled all the Old Testament sacrifices. By the way, if you love the Old Testament, we don't have time to go through it. Every single thing in the temple all points to Jesus. Amen? Bronze laver, the bronze altar, again, picture of the cross, blood in four spots. The bronze laver, again, we've been cleansed, picture of water baptism as well. You've got the golden lampstand, he's the light of the world. The table of showbread, he's the bread of life, the altar of incense. You see at the right hand the Father interceding on our behalf. And then you have the Ark of the Covenant, again, inside it, the manna, he's the bread of life. The, the uh, Aaron's rod, he is the great high priest. The Ten Commandments, he is the word. Mercy covers it. You've got the angels on top of the altar Right? And their wings touch in the middle. When they came into the tomb on Resurrection Sunday, there was an angel at the foot, at the head, and his blood-stained clothes in the middle. All of it points to Jesus. None of it points to Muhammad. None of it points to Joseph Smith. None of it points to L. Ron Hubbard. Amen. It doesn't point to anybody but him. He alone is the fulfillment of all of Scripture. He alone is God. It says in Hebrews nine twelve. neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. I want to encourage you, and I know you're going to think I'm crazy. Go read Leviticus. By the way, the most requested tapes, CDs, or listens in the history of, of, of both churches I've been the pastor of has been Leviticus because no one teaches it. Because it, it's a bloody book, but it all points to Jesus. It's all about all the sacrifices, and he is the fulfillment. Jesus' death at Calvary is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. It is a witness to who Jesus is, and Jesus is God. Amen? So it says, this is he who came by water. And again, not being dogmatic about it, I think that's the picture of his baptism, beginning of his public ministry, and by blood, the cross of Calvary. Now, notice there's another witness here. It says, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. So the third witness, along with the Father, uh, and the third part of the Trinity, is the Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit is God. Amen? The Holy Spirit is a person, not just, you know a fog, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. Do you know you can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Do you, should we worship the Holy Spirit? What's the answer? Yes. Absolutely. Amen? And the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells us. He's the one that never leaves us nor forsakes us. Again, he's a down payment on heaven. Now, a lot of people would love to have walked with Jesus when he was here, and I'm on that list. That being said, I believe of all people who've ever lived, we are the most blessed. And here's why. They got to be with Jesus for three years, and now at 30 minutes with Jesus, I'd sell everything I have. Amen? That being said, Jesus departed. And here's the blessing for us. When you give your life to Jesus Christ... The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and he will never leave you. So guess what? We have the spirit of the living God within us. He comforts us. He convicts us. He's the proof that we've been born again. He, that's the, on, the ownership papers, the redemptive work of the cross of Calvary. And so we have the completed revelation of God's word. We have more access to it than anybody ever has. You can turn your radio on. You can listen to Bible messages all day. There's apps. There's an app I listen to every night when I go to sleep. It's called Bible IS. And I just put it on a book of the Bible, and it reads it to me while I'm falling asleep. I like to read my Bible beforehand, but when I'm going to sleep, I will lay there, and it will just go through a book of the Bible. I've been doing Isaiah for the last, I don't know, 20 nights in a row. And I just love listening to the Word of God as I'm falling. So we have so much access to the Word of God. Amen. You, you know, people used to die for a page of the Bible. When I was in Russia, there was a, a time when I first went in early 90s when the wall had really not even come down yet. And we were allowed to come into Russia. And I remember we went to this school. I had a bunch of uh, people with me, a bunch of uh, teenagers with me. We went to the school to do a program. And this lady came out and was grabbing me and shaking me uh, while I was trying to teach. And I thought, uh-oh, because you don't know what's going to happen in Russia, right? I thought I'll be starting a prison ministry. I didn't know what was gonna happen. But here's what happened. She's talking in Russian really fast. The interpreter comes out and says, she's asking you, do you have Bibles? Do you have Bibles? Do you have Bibles? And I said, well, yeah, we do have Bibles. And I gave her a Bible. And then afterward, I sat down with her while we were having lunch. And she said, my family has had one page of the Bible for the last 25 years. And we passed it around and other people have a page and we'll trade pages with them. And we've always wanted to get the rest of the story. So how valuable was that Bible to them? There's a video, I think it's in China, where these Chinese believers open up this case and there's Bibles in there and you see them weeping and holding on to their Bibles. And here we are, we have 30 Bibles at home and a lot of them are just collecting dust. Amen? Read the book, don't wait for the movie. Amen? Open up the Bible. So the third witness here, again, is the Holy Spirit, and we should have that passion for God's Word because we see how there's a hunger for it, and we're so blessed, but we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so we have the completed revelation, we have the whole counsel of God, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we are the most blessed of all people. Now, the Holy Spirit also bears witness to the person of Jesus Christ it says he will testify of me he will he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you the holy spirit has one consistent message jesus is god jesus is the savior Jesus is the answer. Have you ever noticed that Jesus always pointed to the Father and the Holy Spirit always points to the Son? And this is why when people say, oh, we had a Holy Spirit meeting, we had this meeting and everybody got so spiritually drunk that we were all falling all over ourselves and we had to have a drunk tank because we couldn't drive home. We were so spiritually drunk and the Holy Spirit fell in such a great way we never could get to the Bible. I know that's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not the author of confusion, amen? Bible says, be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're filled with the Spirit, you won't act like a drunk. Can I get an amen to that? And, th- and, and again, most of all, we know that the Holy Spirit will always point people to Jesus. Not some, not some crazy, ridiculous, out of control, 50 people rolling in the aisles and barking in the Spirit and waving flags and screaming. That's not, that's not the Word of God, amen? That's not what the Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit says, let me introduce you to Jesus. This is who you need. He's the answer. That's how you know when the Holy Spirit is moving, Jesus Christ is being glorified. Amen? His name is being lifted up. We're pointing all people unto him. We're not talking about, and again, I have people say, you should come to our church. The last four weeks in a row, the Spirit has hit it so hard, we never got to the Bible. That's how I know it's not the Spirit, because the Word of God points to Jesus, because he is the Word. Can I get an amen to that? So the Father, witness again of his you know who he is and the holy spirit witnesses the present experience of who he is now who he has always been so the father was an external witness for us explaining who he is and the spirit is an internal internal witness to us so we have we have a witness outside of us the word of god amen and and god the father and we look through this but then we also have an eternal witness to this is true because the holy spirit lives inside of us amen so whether we look on the outside or on the inside we are being told the truth of who Jesus is. When Jesus ascended, the Spirit was poured out on believers at Pentecost to continue His work. Again, the Holy Spirit can be with you, in you, or upon you. We talked about this. He's with everyone. They call Him their conscience. Some people would, would take debate with me on that, but I'm, I'm confident this is absolutely the case. Here's why. Because only, there's only good in God. There's no good in us. And if we are convicted about anything, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. So why does an unsaved world know there is some level of right and wrong? Well, we've got a lot of people right now that seem not to have a clue about right and wrong. But most people, there's some level of understanding. When I do prison ministry, I talk to guys. And even if they, you know, one guy killed seven people, he still knew that harming children was wrong. Why does he know that? And I said, bro, because the Holy Spirit's with you. And he's the one that, that convinces you of right and wrong. But here's the point. Until you know Jesus, that's not enough. He's with you, but when you give your life to the Lord, He goes from being with you to being in you. It says in Luke, Jesus said, He breathed His Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit came in them, but there's also the Spirit upon you because Jesus also said, Go and wait, and not many days from now, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. He's either with you, in you, or upon you. Upon means flowing out of you, impacting the world around you. You can call it the baptism of the Spirit, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. As my dad used to say, Call it what you want, just get it. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> And there needs to be less of us and more of the Holy Spirit. We don't just want him with us or in us. But we, and in us is huge, because that means you're going to heaven. Amen? But we want him upon us, and so we need to be filled afresh. And so he is a witness of who Jesus is. The Father external, the Spirit internal, and they both agree. And when Jesus ascended, he poured out the Holy Spirit upon us. Another testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ is God. In Acts 2.36, we saw Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, Peter, before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he ran away, cursed, when a little girl told him, you're one of his followers. Remember, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus had been, comes out, he's been scourged and beaten. His body is marred. This young girl, he's warming himself at the fire with the enemy. And the girl says, you're one of his followers. And he cussed, said he didn't know the Lord, and ran away and hid. After Jesus was risen from the dead, you got to love our Savior's grace and go tell my disciples and especially Peter that I have risen. What a gracious God we serve. Amen. Because Peter probably thought he was out. He was disqualified. That God would never take him back. It's a million steps away from God. It's only one step back. Amen. And what does Peter do? That same Peter waits. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. And that same Peter that ran away from a little girl and cussed and said he didn't know God, got up and preached the word with boldness and 3,000 people got saved in a single day. See, that's the difference between the Holy Spirit being in you and being upon you. Can I get an amen to that? See, when he's upon you, you can't help but spill it out on other people around you. It pours out of you. It's overflowing. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know that God was made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He said that with boldness. God bless you, Peter. This very same Jesus whom you crucified. He's talking to the religious leaders. This very same one. He was scared of them before. He said he is is both Lord and Christ. The Holy Spirit witness continues to work today. Amen. It's good. Guys, if, if any good in us, it's the Holy Spirit if there's any giftedness in us, it comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he gets to praise the glory and the honor. Without him, we can do nothing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You know what? Isn't it amazing that how comfortable we feel with other Christians? Amen? You've heard me say the blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit's thicker than blood. Hey, we're a hugging church. You know why? Because every time we get together, it's a family reunion. Amen. When you have Jesus in common, you have everything in common. You've heard me say this 100 times, one more won't hurt you. I meet people in line at Disneyland that I'm closer to by the time we get to the ride who know Jesus than people I've been related to for 55 years. Why? Because when you have Jesus in common, isn't it almost immediate? See someone wearing a Jesus t shirt. Hey, bro, you believer? Yeah, I'm believer. Where are you, fellow? Oh, just right, fellowship. Well, how long have you been a believer? Tell me about the Lord. We're talking about Jesus all the way up there. And then we get there and we're praying for each other in line. And we're talking about the Lord. And we're so excited. Oh, here's my, here, here's my card. Here's my video. Hey, what's your Facebook name? How do you know? We're testing and we, get, we And then we get there we're hugging each other in line. And then after we get offline, we're hugging. Hey, man, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in heaven. Amen? <laughs> you know what that is? Holy Spirit in common. That's what, that's what knits the body of Christ together, our belief in Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The Holy Spirit bears witness. I, I can, I'll be honest with you. There's people that tell me they're a Christian, and I, sometimes I can tell within three seconds. I don't think so, bro. Because there's no bearing witness of the, Spirit, or the Holy Spirit in us with the Spirit in them. You can call yourself whatever you want. You know, look, I don't know if it's true anymore, but I remember at one point, not that long ago, that 73% of Americans claimed to be Christian. Well, we know that's not true. Because if it was, we wouldn't be killing babies. If it was, we wouldn't be redefining marriage. If it was, we wouldn't be confused about what sex we are. Can I get an amen to that? We wouldn't be confused about any of this. We wouldn't, be, we wouldn't have all this ungodly behavior being magnified and lifted up by a lost and a dying world, amen? By your fruit, they shall know you. If you tell me you're a Christian, by the way, if you're, if you're proclaiming to be a Christian and you believe that it's okay to kill babies, I doubt your salvation. Amen. Oh, Pastor Dave got in someone's kitchen. Here's the reality. <laughs> because baby killing is wrong, yes. amen? God knit us together in our mother's womb, what about this case or that case? God knew, deliver the baby, and if you don't want it, Lynette and I will adopt it right now. I'm serious too, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm old, but I'm young enough to take over a baby if I have to. Can I get an amen to that? And I'm sure there's other people in the church that would stand in line with me. Amen? Because here's the reality. So the point is that we cannot say that we know God and then live in such a way that is contrary to what the Word of God says and feel okay about it. Amen? Now, sometimes people just need to be educated. Sometimes they're biblically ignorant. Maybe they're a new believer and they need to have the word of God open to them. But you cannot proclaim to know God if you walk in contradiction to the word of God and think that there's no problem and have no conviction. Amen? Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Now you know why we're probably getting one point. Okay. It says, who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. So if you're looking for the truth, look to the Holy Spirit. If you're looking for the truth, look to the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Verse 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Don't you love the Trinity? It's awesome. People will say Trinity, the word Trinity is not in the Bible anywhere. That's true. But the Trinity is all over the Bible, and here's one of the verses. And when you read this verse right here, can you escape the Trinity? Look what it says. Let's read it one more time. For these three bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. Jesus. The Holy Spirit. And these three are what? No, one. So three people in one. One God in three persons. And this is where people will challenge you. How, the Bible says that God is not a man; that He should not. Well, let's talk about God the Father, but Jesus is a man. Can I get an amen to that? They'll always point to a verse and 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 uh, not recognize that there are three distinct persons, but only one God. Now, how does this work? And we try to use analogies, and they're all lame, but we try. <laughs> You know, water and ice and steam, and they're all water, but this one's a solid, and this one's a thing. And I get it. I used to, I was a youth pastor 15 years, you try an egg, it's got a yolk, it's got a shell, it's got the white part, it's all, you know, it's one, yeah, you try. But here's the reality, we will not fully understand the Trinity till we get to heaven. But the reality is that the Bible teaches it, I believe it, I know it's true, amen? Because there is three God, there's one God in three persons. So the Father, the Word, who is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Notice that we know that the Bible says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? You go to John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Right? Word was God and Word was with God. And then it says in John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So He is the Word and then He became flesh and dwelt among us. So The Word is God, Jesus is God, there you go. That's why the, Je- the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses say the Word was a God. Because they do not believe that Jesus alone is God. they only put their faith in God, the Father. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. All three are completely consistent in their witness. Some controversy surrounding this verse. Some will say that was not in the original text. There are some texts that would refute whether that's in the text. Some say it was just a note that was placed in there. If you go back to, to versions that are only about 100 years old, the verse is in there. So guess what? I'll have people, I've had people say it to me, well, we know that that verse may not have even been in the original Bible. I don't believe that's true, but I just want you to be prepared if someone says that to you. By the way, I'm going to give you about 20 more verses in just a second. So if, if they try to refute that one, I won't even argue. Okay. I don't believe that. I believe it's true. We got documents that are hundred years after the Bible was originally written. It's in there. So I believe it's, it's in there. But if you don't want to count that one, let me give you some more. Amen. I'll give you some in a moment. So again, there's some controversy surrounding this verse. Again, uh, only point this out as, again, for you to, in case a cultist comes to you, that you don't get tripped up by this. Get ready. it will come. The Mormons will point that out to me. The Jehovah's Witnesses will point that out to me. And I'll say, that's fine. We don't have to use it. I know that verse is in the Bible because I know it's true. But if you don't want to count that voice, let me give you some more. Let me give you a few. You ready? Matthew 28:19. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, And the Son and the Holy Ghost. Here I'm going to give you three or four verses that all speak of them being unique. They're all unique and they're all different. Okay, number John 14, 26, Jesus is speaking, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So we see the, Jesus is speaking. He talks about the Holy Spirit and he talks about the Father. John 15, 26, when the Comforter has come, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. He's talking about the Spirit coming, being sent by the Father, testifying of him. They're all three, again, unique. Now, here's the concept of the Trinity, knowing that there is only one God. Uh, Deuteronomy six four. Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God is one. Thus saith the Lord. This is Isaiah forty four six. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am first. I am last. And beside me there is no God. Amen. And then Matthew forty four or Isaiah forty four eight. Fear not, neither be afraid. Have I not told you, uh, thee from that time and declared it? Yea, even, or even my witnesses, is there any God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Now, when the Mormons come to your house, they believe they're going to be God of their own planet one day. They believe the God of our planet was a man on another planet. He was such a good man. He got to be God of his own planet. And so they believe there are numerous gods and and that Jesus and Satan are brothers and they had to vote on which one would be the savior of this world. And the people that followed after Satan, uh, not trying to defend anybody, are the people that came to the earth with darker skin. That's what the Mormons teach. Talk about racist nonsense. Can I get an amen to that? So that's what they teach. It's crazy, right? So they teach they're going to be God of their own planet. And I love to take them to verses like this. There's only one God. And, you know, there's two undeniable facts. There is a God and you're not him. Can I get an amen to that? And you're not going to be God of your own planet. Our God is, there are no other planets. They think we all came from cobalt. It's just, it's a fairy tale because, well, Joseph Smith was a fairy tale writer before he wrote the fairy tale of the Book of Mormon. So we shouldn't be surprised. (laughs) So the father is a given. There's three persons who are God. The father is given. Nobody has problems with the father being God. The son, John, first John 520. We're going to read that in a moment. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know Him, That is true, that we are in Him, that it is true. Even in Jesus the Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. The Holy Spirit, again in Acts 5, But Peter answered, Ananias, why has Satan filled you to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back a part of the price of the land. Remember, they came in to give a tithe. They kept some of it for themselves. And while it's remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your, under your own power? Why have you conceived this in your heart? And why have you lied unto, not unto men, but unto God? So in the beginning it says, why do you lie to the Holy Spirit? Then he says, why have you lied to God? The Holy Spirit is God. We could do this the rest of the day. But I just want you to see that clearly we don't believe in spite of the evidence the Bible clearly shows us where there's three unique persons, that there's only one God, and we see that being defined throughout Scripture. So these three bear witness of the fact of who He is. Look at what it says in verse 8, and these three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, these three agree as one. Out of the mouth of two or more witnesses shall a matter be established, the Bible says, and these three are all consistent witnesses in telling us who Jesus is. So again, the Spirit says one thing; it's not as if they they disagree. The blood says something else. The water says something else. Again, at the water at his baptism, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Consistent with the Word of God. Consistent. The Father speaks. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. At the cross, the Father. Again, earthquakes, darkness, raising people from the dead. Amen? Jesus is talking to the Father. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? As all the sin of mankind has been placed upon him. Guys, throughout Scripture, the Trinity is unavoidable. It's throughout the Bible. Again, there is one God in three persons, and Jesus is God. Amen? Again, the water, his public ministry, it all points to Jesus, his death on the cross, it fulfilled prophecy, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit bearing witness. They all agree, they're all consistent, and it's only possible because Jesus is God. You can know for sure that Jesus is God because of his testimony, because of his ministry, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit bearing witness within us that Jesus Christ is God. Amen? Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he bears witness to who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit within you does not bear witness of Muhammad. Amen? Doesn't bear witness of all the false gods that have come before or will come again. Does not bear. Now see, that's the sad part. We don't want to do things based on feelings alone. One of the things that Mormons teach when they come to your door, they, all, they, they always try to get me to take their Book of Mormon and I just want you to read that and ask God to warm your bosom if it's true. And I'm like, I always tell them, if you eat a chili dog, I'll get a warm bosom. That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) The point is you don't want to base things solely on feelings. Amen. We want to study the word of God. We want to know, you know, do you know, there's over 200 prophecies about the coming Messiah that Jesus fulfilled them all. Do you know fulfilling even three of them would be impossible? How many of you decided what city you were going to be born in? Bible says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. How many of you were born of a virgin? Your mom's a liar if you raise your hand. Can I get an amen of that? <laughs> we can go down the list of all the prophecy. It says the Messiah would be born of a virgin. It says he'd be born in Bethlehem, right? It says he would spend time in, in, in what was called a Nazarene, spent time growing up in Nazareth. Uh, again, we can go per- prophecy after prophecy. And they're all fulfilled by one person, Jesus Christ, because he is the answer, Amen. He is the God. He is the savior of the world. Look at verse 9. It says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Amen to that. Now that's a verse that rips the daylights out of Joseph Smith. Can I get an amen to that? If we receive the witness of men, we don't look. We want the witness of God. Amen. Now God can speak through men, but when he speaks through men, they will always agree with the word of God. Amen. Never contradict it. So since we receive the testimony of men, the witness of men, as we're accustomed to do. Every day we put a certain level of trust in people, right? Amen? My doctor, right here. She tells me what medicine I need, I take it. Amen. I put trust in her. She's the doctor. I'm not. My boss. I, I, I have to put trust in mechanics. Can I get amen to that? Your lobber's not cobble lobbing, it's four grand. Okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. So we have people that we have an authority over us where we give them some level of, you know, and some of them, their authority is, is authentic and real. And, and I had a mechanic in Santa Cruz for 25 years as my best friend, and anything he told me, I believed it. I said, I, 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 would, give that, I would trust him with my life, so I would certainly trust him with my car. But we have people in our lives that are authorities that, we, that are there for a reason, and we trust them. But we must never let the witness of men supersede the witness of God. That's why I want you to have a Bible because if I get up here and teach something that's contrary to the Word of God, you should be calling me out on it and firing me. Can I get an amen to that? But the way are you going to know that if you don't open up the Bible yourself? If you just listen to what a man says, you're on your way to being a part of a cult if you're not careful. Amen? That's why we want the word, that the Word be true and let every man be a liar. Again, I had the, the reason I brought the whole abortion thing, I had someone just this last week that said he's a Christian, and he believes that abortion's okay, and tried to give me a verse that said abor- that God taught abortion. And uh, that didn't go very well, because I just, bro. And so the point is that we, we come into this trap where he heard that from another man. And by the way, that's the one thing about having these, these uh, windows into hell in the back pocket of your pants right here, right? <laughs> Our youth pastor calls it Christian crack or digital crack, right? It's digital crack. And what can happen is every wicked, vile thing in the world can come right through this screen. And you got all kinds of people testifying a bunch of nonsense. There's one homosexual pastor who's always going through and trying to change the Bible to say that Jesus was gay affirming. Stop it. And so, but what happens is if you just listen to the words of men and you don't open the word of God and you don't have the witness of the Holy Spirit, you will believe anything. Amen. Bible says to study to show yourself approve a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must never let the witness of men supersede the witness of God. Amen. I don't care what people vote for. What I mean by that is, just because you vote that it's okay doesn't mean that it is. Amen. Jesus is the majority. You plus Jesus is the majority. Amen. You plus God is the majority. If God says it, that settles it. If the whole world votes for something that's ungodly, I've had people say, well, it's just a democracy, so we have to go. No, we don't. We can stand up and say, no, that's wrong. That's not true. The Word of God is true. Amen? And we need to make a stand for the truth. How arrogant a fallen and sinful man to think that his opinion trumps the Word of God. Running out of time, there was a thing called the Jesus Seminar. This is 20 years ago. And I remember when I heard about this, my head exploded. And there was a bunch of these, quote, theologians, and they had black and white marbles. And what they did is they would read a passage of Scripture, and then they would put a white marble if they believed that that Jesus said it. And they put a black marble if they didn't think he said it. If he didn't say it, they took it out of their Bible. And so they had the Jesus Seminar tract or something because it wasn't a Bible. They took stuff out of it. Who cares what these 20, the- if you're a theologian that questions the word of God, you're not a theologian. You're an idiot. Can I get an amen to that? What are you doing? It's not God's word. Your words are irrelevant. Let God be true and every man a liar, the Bible says. Can you listen again, the testimony of man or the testimony of God, the words, the world says there's no right and wrong. You ask somebody, so what's the truth? They panic. Oh, I don't like, the, I don't like, the, I don't like you phrasing the question that way. That bothers me. <laughs> That's transphobic asking me the, what, the, what the truth is. The world's, you know, God says you're going to get burned if you surround your life with the wrong things. The world says who cares? God says he cares. The world says, look out for number one. The Bible says, God says, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow him. The Bible says, this, the world says esteem self. They're telling you the problem you have is you don't esteem yourself enough. You have low self-esteem. No, that's not the problem. We all esteem ourselves way too stinking much. Can I get any amen of that? Well, I'm, I, you know My three favorite people are me, myself, and I, right? All I got to know is one of the key, you know, selfies. Come on, amen? So it's all about me. The focus is on me. I've used this illustration. We got some new people. If I took a picture right now, put the picture on the wall, developed it, you'd all walk up here, and whose picture would you look for first? And the picture would be good based on how you look. If you look great, everybody else has got their finger in their nose, you're like, put that on the front of the church bulletin. <laughs> If everybody else looks amazing and you're squinting, a retake. I'm one of those people that when I take pictures of my family, or whatever, I'll take five or six pictures. I already know as soon as I take them, I got to hand it to my wife because she's going to delete the five she doesn't want and keep the best one. And it's always of her, but she looks beautiful all the time anyway, so it doesn't matter. But the point is that the world says to esteem self, we esteem ourselves too much. The Bible says, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow him. There needs to be less of us and more of him. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus is God. You're not. We follow him. He knows what's best for us. We need to surrender our lives fully to the Lord. When we listen to people, sometimes we'll stop listening to God. Amen? Oh, I have this guy I go to, and he gives me all the answers. Well, if his name's not Jesus, you might want to fire that guy. Can I get an amen? I have to run to my therapist. I have to run to this person. This is the person that tells me how to live my life. This is the person that... uh, We want the Lord. Amen? Notice it says there in in the verse, "...for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. The water, the blood, and the Spirit, and the Father testifies of the Son." Who knows Jesus better than the Father? Whose testimony are you you going to receive from sinful men? The Gnostics. He's talking about the Gnostics. They were saying, we got a new message. We got a new truth. This is what really is true about Jesus. He never really came in human flesh. He was just a phantom. If you give your life to God in in, in the spirit, you can live like the devil in your flesh because they're two separate things and the flesh is evil anyway. and, And he's coming right behind that to tell them that's all a lie. Those are the words of men. We don't trust the words of men. We trust the word of God. Amen? It keeps that Jesus was created. No, he's the creator. God the Father, Jesus Almighty God, and says that Jesus is Almighty God in human flesh. He's the creator of the universe. He's the land that was slain before the foundation of the world, and he's the only, one and only true source of salvation. Who are you going to believe, God or man? Choose one. Finally, last verse. Now you know why we're only getting through one point. This is key. Look what it says. I want you to pay attention. If this isn't underlying your Bible, it should be. He who believes in the son of God has witness in himself. He does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. He says, anyone who does not believe that Jesus Christ is God is a liar. Anybody who denies that Jesus Christ is God is a liar. They are false prophets. If you believe the word believe there has faith, has entrusted one's spiritual well being. See, it's not just believing that Jesus existed. Do you have intimate fellowship with the Lord? Did you wake up with Jesus this morning? You know, do you have intimate fellowship with him? Do you talk to him all day? Is he your best friend? Do you know him better than you know your spouse? You know, that's, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's not, I check in with him for an hour and a half every Sunday, but I have a, a relationship with him. I'm born again. His spirit lives inside of me. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him by experience. Such faith and belief is, again, proof that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. He who does not believe that God has made him is a liar, Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given us, his son, anyone, the Gnostics who reject Jesus as the son of God, as the savior, as God in human flesh, is calling God a liar and God takes that personally. Amen? There's no middle ground with Jesus. You're either for him or you're against him. You're either saved, you're either a saint or an ain't. Amen? You've been born again or you haven't. There's there's no gray when it comes to a relationship with the Lord. The guys that we led to the Lord, uh, Pastor Mike and I last week, that was on our driveway, and and it was so classic. I'm like, you know, he goes, well, I got to leave. I don't have, I only got to, I said, great, one question. What's going to happen to you when you die? Oh, um, I don't don't know. I said, well, okay, you you happy with I don't know? You feel good about I don't know? Well, I'm sure I'll go to heaven because I'm a pretty good guy right? And that's the mentality of most people. And, and you're a good person compared to other people, but how do you come out when you're compared to Christ? See, God doesn't grade on a curb. He grades at the cross. And what have you done with God's son? Because nothing else matters. Amen? For, fast forward 15 minutes, we prayed we pray for him to give his life to the Lord in the driveway. But the reality is that every one of us has to make a decision about Jesus Christ. Again, it doesn't matter what position you hold. It doesn't matter you know, what, how the world esteems you. Only thing that matters is what have you done with God's Son. Jesus is the Word. It must not, His Word must not be altered, added to, or taught with reservation. Don't apologize for the Bible. I, I have reached out to pastors all the time. They'll get to a verse and they'll go, look, this might offend some of you and I'm really sorry and I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings and you know, I hope you don't feel too bad. Just teach the Bible. Amen? preach the truth, do it in love, but teach the Bible. You know what happens when you water down the Bible, you make it so lukewarm that if it was medicine, it couldn't heal you. And if it was poison, it couldn't kill you. what I mean by that is that the Bible they teach doesn't even lead to salvation because it does not point out that you're a sinner in need of a savior. It doesn't tell you that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It waters down, oh, he's one of many paths. Maybe it's your path. Stop that. He's the only way. Amen. Jesus Christ alone. The word of God is not, it's again, it's not some mammy, pamby take it or leave it insignificant opinion of some. It's the very oracles of God. When Moses, so let me close with this. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai, before, remember God spoke and the children of Israel heard God speak. And then what did they say? Hey, Mo, Moses, you go talk to him because that's pretty rough. His voice came out and they, oh, and they fell on their face. And Moses went up Mount Sinai, right? And he came back down, right, glowing in the dark because he'd been hanging out with the Lord. And he broke all 10 commandments at one time because he saw them all having a drunken orgy. This is what happens when you stop listening to the voice of the Lord and you listen to the voice of men. Can I get an amen to that? We want to listen to the Lord. We want to, again, all shook up. Elvis didn't create that. That was at Mount Sinai. So you know, (laughs) so you can know for sure that Jesus is God. You have the testimony of the Father, the Word Of God and the Spirit. You have the water, His baptism and His earthly ministry. You have the blood, His death and redemption on the cross of Calvary. And you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, illuminating the truth of God's word, bearing witness to you that Jesus Christ is God. Guys, is Jesus Christ God? What's the answer? And we should shout it from the mountaintops. And we should be able to explain to others what we believe and why we believe it. So, we got through one point today but Jesus Christ is God. Amen? So we can know for sure in a time that the world rejects absolute truth that Jesus is God, not a God, not one of many gods, but the only true and living God. He came by water and by blood. He's born witness by the Spirit, the water and the blood. And he's the risen living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. You got to come back next week because we're going to talk about the fact that you're going to heaven if you've been born again and that God answers prayer. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who illuminates the truth to us. I thank you for everyone who's here this morning, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, I know we've gone over a few minutes, but I'd be remiss if I didn't do this. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Give me an opportunity to confess him right now, just to make a public proclamation that, yes, I know that I'm a sinner and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Again, the Bible says also in Romans, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. Now, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. If you've never made a public proclamation, if you recognize that you're a sinner, if you raise your hand with the rest of us, if you believe what was taught today, that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, If you're ready to surrender your life to him, to recognize that that's what's missing in your life, that there's no other answer, there's no other hope apart from him. If it's your desire to give your life to make that proclamation right now, I just want you to raise your hand where you are right now and I will pray with you. Anybody at all? God bless you, brother. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. For this person who's raised his hand, I just pray, just pray this with me. You can pray it silently or out loud and we will all bear witness with it. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning, and I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. Lord, please forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for being not just my Savior, but my Lord. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.